Welcome to We Heal Together. This is Cordelia, and I'm really excited to get into this week's episode. This is actually a three-part series, so this is part one of the three-part series. And this whole series is exploring and unpacking sexual shame that we experience in our childhood. And just to clarify, this will not be diving into like child sex abuse or sexual assault or rape or things like that. Instead, I will be focusing this series on child sexual shame that comes from parents, school, society, culture, media, things like that, religion. So this first episode, which is part one of the three-part series, We'll be getting into concepts you are taught as a child, family messages, cultural, religious, society messages, virginity, and slut shaming. Be sure you tune into the podcast on Mondays because there are two more parts of this series. Part two will dive into more concepts. Part three will dive into healing. And each episode and each part of the three-part series will contain healing aspects as well. So let's get healing. for tuning in this week. Happy to have you here and happy to have you healing with me. This episode again is going into childhood sexual shame. It is part of a three-part series. As always, be sure to check out the show notes as they contain recommendations for books. It contains, you know, the different worksheets. It also contains information for my website and my Instagram. So if you do like the content on this podcast, please be sure to follow me on Instagram because it actually has a lot of similar information and could be helpful for you. So why talk about sexual shame on my podcast? I think it is so important to evaluate how much shame you could be carrying from childhood and that you may need to heal from. Sexual shame is among the most powerful and devastatingly painful forms of shame. As Patrick Carnes has said, sexual secrets are often the cause of our greatest emotional shame, yet they are the secrets that we are least likely to reveal. And if you think about it, this is a message that's going to stick with you into adulthood. This is going to follow you. This is until you heal it. So you don't just turn 18. You don't just turn 20. You don't just get married and all of a sudden 
sex is this amazing, wonderful thing just because you've reached this next step and you're no longer a child. You can continue to suffer and you can, you can continue to have negative impacts from the sexual shame that you're carrying from your childhood into adult life. So I put a few books in my show notes and really the, a lot of the quotes and things I'll be pulling from today are from two books. One is called Ethical Slut. And the other is called Purity Men. So this next quote is from the first. Shame in the belief we were taught that our bodies, our desires, and sex are dirty and wrong make it very hard to develop sexual self-esteem. Many of us spent our adolescences consumed with guilt for our sexual desires, our fantasies, and our masturbation long before we managed to pull anything off with another human. When we did connect with others, many of us spent those encounters obsessing about our performance, often so busy if we were doing it right that we forgot how it even felt for us. When our desires and fantasies stretch further than a monogamous marriage with a member of the opposite sex, we suffer additional attacks on our self-acceptance. To some, we are sex-crazed perverts, deserving objects of scorn to others, and all too often, ourselves. According to some people, even God hates us. It's hard to feel good about an expansive sexuality when you feel so bad about yourself that you just want to hide. The book goes on to talk about various kind of things that we learned or taught were taught in cultures so for example being amoral our culture has taught us that sluts are evil uncaring amoral and destructive jezebels casanova the mythological evil slut is grasping and manipulative seeking to steal something virtue money self-esteem from partners. In some ways, this archetype is based on the idea that sex is a commodity, a coin that you trade for something. Another thing we're taught is sinful. Some people base their sense of ethics on what they've been told that God or the church or their parents or their culture believe to be okay or not okay. They believe that being good consists of obedience to laws set down by a power greater than themselves. Promiscuous is another thing that we've been taught. This means we enjoy too many sexual partners. We've been called indiscriminate in our sexuality. Another thing we've been taught is being quote-unquote easy. That sexual desire is a destructive force. This one goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And, you know, some religions kind of put that emphasis on believing that women's sexuality is evil and dangerous. I invite you to think about what messages you heard as a child about sex. So I kind of made a list 
of various things that I heard from different sources, from school, from parents, from family, from, you know, people throughout my childhood, from culture and movies and things like that. So I'm just going to kind of read you some of the things that I put, and I want you to think if you can relate to any of these, but also I want you to take some time and think, what isn't on my list? Like, what's some other stuff that you heard that carried with you? So for those of you who don't know, I am 30 years old, I should say that, 30 female American. Um, So if you are listening to this podcast, I know that I have listeners all over the world, so I want to keep that in mind, and I'm sure that you have a lot. Different cultures probably have a lot of other things that they were told, but here is my list. Good girls don't like sex. Men only want one thing. If you have sex with X number of men, you will be a slut. Damaged goods. No one will want you. Slutty. Sex is dirty. Sex is bad. You should save sex for someone you love. She's like a guy when it comes to sex. Sex means desperate. It means clingy. She's hanging out with too many guys. You shouldn't sleep with somebody until at least three dates. You shouldn't sleep with somebody until at least five dates. You shouldn't sleep with somebody until you're married. I don't want them to think I'm a slut, so I won't do X, Y, or Z until this happens. I've heard my family as well as friends when we're watching a movie or something like that refer to a female character as being a whore or being a slut. I remember when I was growing up, you know, at some point I got boobs and My boobs are a decent size, and after I got them, I remember, you know, if I wore any shirt, basically, teachers at school or, you know, my dad telling me, like, your boobs are hanging out. Have some self-respect, you know, as if a shirt or what I chose to wear was somehow tied to my self-respect or self-worth. I never got sexual, like a sex ed class in school. My school did not have that growing up. I never had, you know, an anatomy class or anything like that. I never had a sex talk. I don't think I even knew what a clitoris was until I was in my 20s. 
I'm not kidding. I don't remember the first time that I even like looked at my vagina or learned about it, but it was definitely, I mean, I definitely wasn't a teenager. I did not think that masturbation was something that a girl or a woman did. I thought that was only thing that only something that men could do. I did not know that women could orgasm or anything like that. So essentially, I had no idea what the heck was going on, you know, with sex from an anatomy standpoint, like a scientific standpoint, emotionally, you know, anything like that. And, you know, I am here to tell you that for sure a lack of knowledge can create sexual trauma in a lot of ways because you don't, I mean, you just don't know what the heck's going on. And I think for sure there is a, a an overarching theme or sense of sex being extremely taboo that I feel surrounding my childhood. So I started to kind of think about, as I was preparing this podcast, why do we do stuff like that? Like why, as an adult, why do we say stuff? So let's take a step back from thinking about the message we're sending our kids. You know, even as adults, I, as an adult, I have heard people talk like this. You know, She's such a guy when it comes to sex. She's a slut. She's been with so many people, blah, 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 like things like that. So what is this kind of human nature that causes us to do this, whether we are talking to people our age or we're talking to kids? I looked up the definition of virtue signaling. And here's the definition that I found. The action or practice publicly expressing opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or the moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue. So essentially, you're teaching somebody, I'm better than that person. Oh, she's slutty. Oh, she's been with a bunch of people. I really think a lot of these things that we say as human beings, are stemming from this this core need kind of to, to do this virtue signaling, to say I'm better than that person. So I want you to take a moment now, and I want you to think about what are the messages that you heard about sex? Kind of like that list I just went through. And I want you to kind of think about what I thought now or what I said in terms of virtue signaling and try to think like where where does this need to to slut shame women where does that come from All right, did you give it some thought? I hope so. If not, you can always do that later when you have a little bit more time and space to think.
when I thought about it, I was thinking a lot of the shame comes from the the obsession and the belief and really the society's need to kind of perpetuate the concept of virginity. So a really great book, again, that I put in the show notes is called Purity Myth. And a lot of what I'm going to be talking about virginity is something I learned for the first time when I read that book. So in that book, the author talks about how she noticed that there's a lot of people trying to find out, like, if I did X, am I a virgin still? So if I just gave a guy a head, am I a virgin? If I had anal, am I a virgin? And she talks about another author who's writing a book. That author goes to Harvard and is looking for the word virginity and can't, you know, like the Harvard Library, and is researching, kind of trying to come up with the definition of virginity and really can't find it. So one thing to note is that virginity focuses on heterosexual sex. And so that, the concept of virginity just completely erases anybody that doesn't fall into that category. So anybody who is gender fluid, who is, whose sexuality is fluid, who is lesbian, gay, queer, you know, whatever sexuality somebody is, it doesn't fit in this idea of virginity, which, again, focuses solely on heterosexual sex. Virginity also appears to be synonymous with woman. So when we think about virginity, we think about things like popping her cherry. Okay, that's about a woman. And, you know, it's this whole concept that really comes down to women. Like the, the pressure, it's just not, it's not the same when it comes to boys or men. It's completely different. And virginity is, it's just not this huge moment. There's not this whole pressure on it. And, you know, men are praised for having sex. Men are, it's like the opposite, complete opposite side of the spectrum for men when they, when it comes to sex, when it comes to virginity. This whole notion of virginity, it's used to control women's sexuality and determine their value. If somebody chooses not to have sex for their own personal reason, like, that's completely fine. And we shouldn't shame or judge them for that. But the problem with virginity is that female virginity is valuable to society, but a man's is not worth anything. So a man's social status is actually going to increase if he is not a virgin. However, 
a woman's virginity, it, it basically frames a woman's worth as inversely proportional to how many sex partners or how much sex that she has had. And to quote the purity myth, for women especially, virginity has become the easy answer, the morality quick fix. You can be vapid, stupid, and unethical. So long as you've never had sex, you're good. You're a good girl, a moral girl, therefore worthy of praise. I love that quote. I feel like it just captures so much in there. The Our worth, women's worth, is being tied into sex. Flat out. I mean, that is how we are measuring whether somebody, a woman, is a good person or not. Sex for pleasure, for fun, or even for building relationships is completely absent from our national conversation. Yet taking the joy out of sexuality is a surefire way to ensure not that young women won't have sex, but rather they'll have it without pleasure. Here's another quote from that same book. I've always found the idea of saving your virginity intriguing. It's not as if we're packing our saran-wrapped hymens away in a freezer, after all, or pasting them in a scrapbook, but packed away virginities aside. The interesting and dangerous idea at play here is that of morality. When young women are taught about morality, There's not often talk of compassion, kindness, courage, or integrity. There is, however, a lot of talk about hymen, though the preferred words are undoubtedly more refined. Think virginity virginity, and chastity. If we have them, when we'll lose them, and under what circumstances, We'll be rid of them. While boys are taught that the things that make them good men are universally accepted ethical ideals, women are led to believe that our moral compass lies between our legs, literally. Making women the sexual gatekeepers and telling men they just can't help themselves not only drives home the point that women's sexuality is unnatural, but also sets up a disturbing dynamic in which women are expected to be responsible for men's sexual behavior. In this same book, she gives a few statistics and she says, by the age of 44, 99% of Americans will have had sex. 95% of us will have had sex before marriage. Single women, the primary target of the virginity movement, are not excluded from these numbers. One-third of U.S. women ages 20 to 24 are single, and 9 out of 10 of them have had sex. 
She also gives a really great quote from Darren Washington, who was an abstinence educator. And he gives this, he said this quote at the 8th Annual Abstinence Clearinghouse Conference. Here's what he said verbatim. Your body is a wrapped lollipop. When you have sex with a man, he unwraps your lollipop and sucks on it. It may feel great at the time, but unfortunately, when he's done with you, all you have left for your next partner is a poorly wrapped saliva fouled sucker. So... I mean, I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> um, this is a good segue, I guess, into slut shaming in general. So slut shaming is when you place guilt and subordination on women for their sexuality. So, for example, like women dressing and revealing clothing or having or even just thinking or perceiving a woman to have slept with a lot of people or even just being friends with a bunch of men is stuff that women get slut-shamed for. So to slut-shame, that means to degrade or mock a woman because she enjoys having sex, has sex a lot, or may even just be rumored to participate in sexual activity. Most of us, whether we've realized it or not, have judged or degraded somebody or being sexual, having more than one sexual partner, acknowledging sexual feelings, or any of those things. When most of us have spent our childhoods being taught that gaining male validation is the route to power and even happiness, it's really not surprising that many women will view their sexually explorative peers as threats. This can cause women to lash out against other women, and kind of become competitive. Women have been taught for a long time that their value is intrinsic to their sexuality. That's what I want, like, the biggest takeaway, really, in all of this is that women have been taught that our value is tied to our sexuality. Our value is tied to our sexual urges. Our value is tied to if we are having sex or not. And it's not. That is just what we've been taught. So no women, no woman, no girl, no female, no person, but I'm specifically addressing women because women is women bear the brunt of this attack. No woman, period, is defined by how much or how little sex you have had, period. Sex is healthy, sex is natural, and every person has a different, you know, appetite for it. Your body is your own, and how you want to use your body, that's up to you. And that has nothing to do with your worthiness or unworthiness or your value as a human being. So I I loved this quote I found. Slut attacks a woman's right to say yes, and friend zone attacks a woman's right to say no, and bitch attacks her right to call you out on it. So I, I included this in here because 
I think it's really important. Like we're slut shaming women. And has anybody ever stopped to think about like, I mean, what option do you even give a woman? Like if she has sex, she's a slut. If she doesn't have sex, then she's a tease and she friend zoned him and he's a nice guy and she let him on. Friend zoning is that concept of Somebody tells you, hey, I like you, and you're just like, hey, I'd rather be friends. So in that instance, you know, you're not celebrated for, oh, wow, that's amazing. She didn't have sex with him. No, you are objectified and, you know, your value is attacked from another way. And it just goes hand in hand with slut shaming and it shows you like how ridiculous it is because there's like these two concepts and competing concepts. So all this to say, I think I broke this podcast into three different parts for several, several reasons. There's a lot more to unpack. And there's a lot that you have to digest. Like, this is a heavy topic. The research and stats that I found were that girls particularly are left with a lot of humiliation, shame, embarrassment, pain. And they often feel worthless and hopeless. And they resort to self-bullying, eating disorders. Girls who've been slut-shamed have body image issues, depression, anxiety, thoughts of suicide. And as you dig into moving past shame that you experienced in terms of sexuality as a child and sex when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, I think think it's really important to take time and dig into all of this. Some questions that will be helpful for you. I'm just going to list them off. One, how do you define virginity? Where did you get that definition? Two, what values other than purity should we be instilling in young women to be sure they grow up to be active moral agents. Three, were you brought up thinking that female sexuality was dirty? And how did it impact you? Did you attend any sexual education classes? Were they abstinence-based? What assumptions have you made about your own sexuality and how it should be? And I think digesting those are, that's going to be important for your healing and important to kind of remember and trace back the origin of where, where you got your information for everything. Moving forward, I challenge you to focus on your own feelings and your own observations. When I challenge you to move away from this idea that women are 
somehow sluts or bad people if they choose to have sex. You know, I think that can really impact your self-esteem and it can, I mean, it can impact your life in so many ways. I think that we should be focusing on completely different things. I mean, for me, at least, when I was growing up, I wish that I was given a lot of different information when it comes to sex. Some things that I think are helpful to think about as an adult and as you are healing with sex, shame and sex, you know, these residual issues. I think it's important to think, how does this person treat me? How do they talk to me? Do I feel respected? Am I comfortable? Do I even want to have sex? So why am I considering having sex with them? Am I just having sex with them because I feel like I have to or I feel like I, there's an expectation or I feel like there's pressured? You know, why don't I just dig into this a little bit? If I want to have sex with somebody, is that anybody's business? Is that in any reflection of my worth? If I am with a guy or a sexual partner, whoever you're with, and he or she or they start making me feel bad about how many partners I've had or, you know, start start kind of digging into me as a person and coming at me from this way, I challenge you to stop being around those people. I challenge you to, I mean, truly just cut that kind of person out of your life because any person who's going to judge you. So like, for example, if I go on a date with a guy and he's asking me like, how many people have you been with? Blah, blah, blah. Any guy who is trying to judge me for doing the same stuff that he's done or that he wants to do, not somebody that I want to be around, period. It doesn't even have to be a date. It could be a friend. It could be your own family. Anybody who makes you feel like you are unworthy or not a good person because you have sex and you like having sex, screw them. Like, you do not need to hang out with them. You should focus on pursuing sexual experiences that are enjoyable to you. Prioritize your own comfort, your own pleasure, and your own safety. And, you know, I have a newsflash for everybody because we are talking about childhood things and you're going to be doing a lot of digging. If it comes up that your parents made you feel like your worth isn't in any way tied to sex, 
It's not. Your parents should not make you feel that way. And it's okay if you do some unpacking and you realize, wow, my parents or my teacher or my pastor, they made me feel like I was worthless. Because I have a feeling that's going to come up for a bunch of people. I'm here to tell you it's not. Your worth is not tied to your sex, like your sex life. It's just not. So, again, I'm hoping that you can kind of unpack these things and really try to figure out and heal some of this shame. The big healing episode I'm going to get into a lot further is going to be in episode three, so part three, two weeks from today. The next episode from here is going to go into some more concepts next week that we're going to dig a little further in unburying our sexual shame. Um, but I did want to give you a few healing resources this week. So number one, I challenge everyone not only to do the questions and the things that I've already talked about, but to stop saying slut. So really focus on sex positive alternatives. So a good example I found was she's experienced, she is experimenting with what she likes and doesn't like. Instead of saying what we hear people say all the time, she's really slutty. She's acting slutty. Start speaking up for other people. If you're a man, if you're a woman, I mean, I think that's awesome. Like, you don't have to be a woman to benefit from this podcast, by the way. If you're a man and you listen to this podcast, and then the next time that somebody, you're out with your friends and somebody's like, yeah, I had sex with that whore. I mean, I actually think it's pretty badass if a guy or girl or whoever sticks up for them and is like, that person, like, don't call her whore. It's ridiculous. So, I mean, even little things like that, just sticking up for other people in conversations. Sex positivity, coming down to a few things. Affirming that sex can be a healthy part of human life, and it shouldn't be shamed or stigmatized. And then affirming the choices others make regarding sex, even if those choices are different from the ones that I would make, that's okay. As long as those choices, of course, are consensual. And just a caveat, like, sex being a healthy part of human life, that doesn't mean it has to be a part of everybody's life. So it's also okay to be sex positive and to choose to be a virgin or choose, you know, to not, you don't have to have sex with everyone. This podcast is not to tell you to like get off here and go sleep with everybody. It's really to dive into your sexual shame and challenge the way that you are thinking about sex in order to free that shame. The other kind of healing thing that I included in this week's podcast, if you click in the show notes, so it's also on my website, as always, in my self-healing resources tab. So, you know, you don't have to always go back to this podcast or anything. You can always just go on my website, and that is 
all there for you. But the show notes also have this as well. And so I put a few different worksheets for you to kind of dig through between now and next week. And one worksheet, it is called like sex and gender messages is the title on it. And so if you click on it, there is, it it basically is going to walk you through some questions. It's a PDF. And it helps you kind of unpack like where you learned various concepts around sex and gender as well as a child. So, for example, it says, at what age do you first remember hearing about sex? Who was involved? Was it positive or negative? And it also asks, like, where did, what did you learn about female sexuality in the following concepts? So religion, peers, magazines, books. So, you know, there's a lot of questions on here to get you going and to kind of think about later on, basically. The next worksheet that I have on here, it is, it's called like help to talk with your, about sex with your partner or figure out what you like on your own. So it can be used to kind of navigate conversations if you are in a relationship with somebody or if you're sleeping with somebody or just to figure out what you like. So it covers a ton of things like what you want to do, what you like sexually, if you like toys, if you like lube, what turns you on, boundaries, so what should be said, what shouldn't be said. And frankly, it's a really, really good tool in terms, I wish like this was around even when I was a teenager. I think it's a really cool concept, like the worksheet, it's like a seven page worksheet. I'm looking at it right now. And it, so like the first page says, what do I want to do? And it lists all kind of like sexual acts. Like it even has things like holding hands, kissing. And then it has, like, masturbation, you know, chest, lip sucking. So various sexual acts. And it's going through this. Even if you, like, are just trying to figure out, like, what do I even like sexually? It's a good tool to use to think about, like, things that you've probably never given thought about. Um, You know, it asks what toys or lubes you are comfortable using, what turns you on, Uh, what are we going to say? So it it gives a bunch of like prompts to think about what you would be comfortable saying with a partner, like please refer to my gender as blank. When I want you to stop, I'm going to say this. When I want you to check in with you, I'm going to say this. Please never refer to me as this. It gives a worksheet called Where I Draw the Line. And it asks you to kind of draw some some boundaries. Um, So it says, like, what kind of lines you draw are totally up to you. And then you kind of just fill in, you know, what are are you okay with? Um, So it has things like, 
penetration, kiss and tell, talking to friends about what happened, using protection during sex. So again, I think this is a really good tool for people to have when they are navigating shame because a really a really good antidote to sexual shame is being sexually empowered and learning about what you like sexually. And the last worksheet that I have on here that I added was a yes, no, maybe so, a sexual inventory stock list. So there's a code guide of like, yes, no, maybe, I don't know, fantasy, not applicable. And it has body boundaries. So similar to what we went through on the last worksheet, like what are some things that you would like to happen Basically, if you are being intimate, um, it has words and terms, it has safe sex. So, for example, sharing my sexual history with a partner is that something I want to do? Putting a condom on with a partner, using a condom. Um, some of my body parts are just off limits. Those are blank. I'm not comfortable looking at, touching, or feeling. These are blank. So just another good tool. This one is, it looks like it's about six pages. Um, it, and I mean, this actually goes into a little bit more in depth as well in terms of it talks about non-physical sexual activities as well like if that's something that you are okay with like role play cypher sex phone sex getting sexual images of my partner on my phone and i think arming yourself with this information on the front end is going to empower you more and i mean i'm a big proponent of defining boundaries because how are you going to know if you're comfortable with something if you've never even thought about it before So again, I am so excited to dig into this series with you. It is a three-part series. Next week, we are going to get into a little bit more on some different topics about where sexual shame comes from. And then the third week, third part, it will get into a lot more healing, but I did want you guys to have some resources in the meantime. I would love it so much if you guys would follow me on Instagram. It is at Codependent Recovery. I have a lot of amazing resources and everything on there. My website has so many resources. Check the show notes for more info on that. And so excited to be healing with you guys. I hope you have a great week and I will see you next Monday.